0: Before I start uh, my message, you notice that there's a microphone in the back, and we have some sound engineers in the audience today. Um, they're just going to be looking and listening to the sound, and um, sometimes we have mixing issues or intelligibility issues, and the sound bounces around the sanctuary, and so we're just going to maybe do something about it. So I'm just giving you the, the, the warning or the, the teaser. But uh, they'll be telling us, you know, what, uh, some things we can do. All right, today I'm beginning a new series in the book of Mark. Now, in the early church, the church fathers only accepted something as Scripture if they thought it had apostolic authority behind it. But you don't find Mark listed as any of the apostles. So... Who is he? And by whose authority does he write? So we first hear about Mark in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, and this occurs right after the arrest of Jesus. It says, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment, this is what you would wear at a bed, so he's a teenage guy, he snuck out of the house, and he was following Jesus, when they seized him, that's Jesus, he actually, actually, when they seized Mark or the guy he fled naked, leaving behind his garment. And so he was with Jesus on the night Jesus was betrayed and was acquainted with Jesus and followed him and his disciples. In fact, scholars think that the Last Supper was celebrated in Mark's parents' home. Now, uh, think of this young man then. A few years later in the book of Acts, we read a story about Peter being released from prison by an angel. And after Peter is out of jail and on the streets, he heads to the house of Mary, who is the mother of John, who is also called Mark. So now the church in Jerusalem meets in their home. When uh, Barnabas and Paul leave on their first missionary journey, they take Mark with them. It's a tough journey, and halfway through, Mark goes home to Jerusalem. So, a few years later, when Paul and Barnabas want to go out on a second journey, Barnabas says, Hey, let's bring Mark with us. And Paul says, No, he deserted us last time. I won't take him. And that disagreement was so sharp that they went separate ways. Barnabas took Mark. Uh, Paul took Silas. But Mark proved himself to be a faithful servant because later on in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul writes this to Timothy. When you come, bring Mark with you because he is helpful to me my ministry, And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, this is Peter's letter. And Peter writes this. She who is in Babylon, that's the church in Rome, it's a cryptic way of saying it, sends you greetings as does my son, Mark. The early church fathers, these are guys who come right after the disciples. They say that Mark was the interpreter of Peter. Peter was an uneducated fisherman from Galilee. He knew Greek, but he probably did not write it well. And so Mark was his secretary and recorded the things that Peter said. And Papias and Irenaeus, two early church fathers, said that Mark recorded what Peter taught about Jesus. So Mark isn't one of the apostles, but whose authority is behind him? It's Peter's. And really, we could call this the gospel according to Peter. So let's read the first chapter. We'll start with verse 1, and we'll read to verse 8. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Mark starts out by writing This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word gospel is euangelion in the Greek. It means good news. And it it existed in the Greek language before we came to associate it with gospel. It means good news. So a way that it was used was uh, when the town crier would announce something in the Roman forum, he would say euangelion, euangelion, gospel, gospel, gospel. The emperor's wife has brought forth a son. Or when, um, uh, my, Pastor Mike told us the story of uh, when the Persians defeated, I mean when the Greeks defeated the Persians at Marathon, and that guy had to run 26 miles to Athens and say, you know, we've defeated the Persians. He announced, Gelion, the Persians are defeated. That was good news because if the Persians had won, the people of Athens would have been slaughtered. And so, the gospel is good news. Now, when we uh, talk about preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel, how do we do that? What do we usually say? We'll say something like, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But in verse 14 of this gospel, it says that Jesus went about preaching the Evangelion, the gospel. But he had not died yet, and there was no resurrection yet. And so what gospel was Jesus preaching? Here was the good news, that the kingdom of God had come to earth And that the presence of God can be in you and with you. And this is good news. That's an aspect of the gospel we don't think of often, but God is with you. And we can live our lives aware of his presence with us by just reminding ourselves God is with us by looking for his activity in life, by having conversation with God and with Jesus throughout the day, by being grateful to him. In this way, we experience his presence. And then Mark says that Jesus is the Christ. There's another Greek word. Christ is In the Greek is Christos, and that means anointed one. And it's a translation of the Hebrew word for anointed one, which is messiah, or messiah. And so, Mark is telling us that Jesus is the messiah. And throughout the prophets, from Abraham until Malachi, that's 2,000 years The prophets have been telling us, someone is coming, someone is coming. He is the anointed one, the Messiah. Now Mark is saying the Messiah is here, and he is Jesus. And then Mark says he's a son of God. And that makes Jesus unique. No one else is a son of God. And so Jesus is just not some philosopher. He's just not some other religious teacher but the claim of the gospel and the claim of Jesus himself is I am the Son of God. And I think everyone has to come to grips with what that means and who he is because our relationship to him is really a matter of life and death. And because he is the Son of God, everything he says is good and right and true and beautiful. And we really need to bring our thinking in line with his. I was talking to someone once about some uh, subject, and uh, she, she claimed to be a Christian, and she says, well, you know, I just disagree with Jesus on that. If Jesus is the Son of God, we really can't be disagreeing with Jesus. And so we need to live that out in our lives. Now in verse 2, Mark tells us that the coming of Jesus was foretold by the prophets. It is written, Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And in Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, God speaks to the prophet Malachi and says, Behold, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great day of the Lord. And so John came baptizing in the desert region, and he preached this message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so John is the prophet that is foretold will come before the coming of the Lord. John's clothing was made of camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And if you read the book of Kings, the prophet Elijah is described as wearing the same thing. And so when people saw John, they would think, Oh, him and Elijah. A few years back, we had Trunk or Treat here at the church parking lot. Remember that? Bob McConnell came dressed as John the Baptist with this wig and this kind of camel hair suit, and you had a big leather belt around your waist, and you were serving grasshoppers to eat, right? You baked them. I tried one; They weren't bad. I prefer them to Brussels sprouts. But people would connect John the Baptist and Elijah. And so throughout the prophets, messiahs foretold. And Mark is saying, here he is. He's Jesus. Now John's message was one of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus also said, repent and believe the good news. Notice they're linking repentance with good news. And so repentance is essential to the gospel. And repentance is good news. So what is repentance? It's a change of thinking. It's a change of mind. Or it's a change of purpose. The word is metanoia in the Greek. It means to change thinking or direction or mind. And so, if we've been thinking in a certain way, repentance means oh, there's another way of looking at this, there's another way of thinking. I'm going to change my thinking and I will change my behavior accordingly. Repentance is not just sorrow, it's not just regret, it's just not confession. Repentance is, I'm going to change my thinking, and I'm going to change my behavior. And repentance not only deals with sin, but repentance really deals with all areas of life. You know, we kind of think of repentance as, you know, repent of your sins, and then we think of all the things we do that we're not supposed to do, and that we're supposed to stop doing them, and that that's repentance. But there's also things that God tells us to do, like forgive, or help the poor, or show mercy, work for justice. And we kind of just think, oh, I don't need to do that but doing those is obedience, and so those are also areas of repentance. In fact, repentance means we're gonna subject all of our thinking to what Jesus, the Son of God, says. Even our political thinking, because I find people um, let their politics actually shape their view of the gospel instead of the other way around. I had a friend who uh, is an EPC minister. He was visiting uh, the EPC church in Newton and since he was gonna be in Newton, Kansas, we had lunch and uh, he told me just before he came to Kansas, he had visited his mother and his mother said to him, can't, I can't believe that you're a Christian and that you vote Republican. And he said, Mom, I was thinking the same exact thing about you, I can't believe that you're a Christian and you vote Democrat. God isn't a Republican. God isn't a Democrat. God's not even an American. The kingdom of God is not the United States of America, and the kingdom of God is not the American dream. All of our thinking has to come under the influence of the gospel. So, We have to change our thinking. That's what repentance means, because we have to change our thinking before we ever change our behavior. Now, let me just give you an example from my life. Whenever I think about food, I ask this question. This is the the question that comes to my mind, and this is how I think. What do I feel like eating? So, we'll go to oak and pie. And um, I'll open the menu and say, what do I feel like eating? i oh, wow, I feel like the spaghetti and meatballs and a pepperoni pizza. So I'll get both. And then they have these, like, chippy cookie things that are, like, cookies like in this mini pie thing with ice cream on it and chocolates. Like, well, I've got to get one of those because I feel like eating those, right? All right, And then I'm thinking, like, why can't I, why can't I change my behavior, right? So then someone suggested to me that I should think, change my thinking about it, and that I should think differently and ask the question, what kind of good fuel do I want to put in my body? Like, oh. So now when I go to Oak and Pie, I ask what kind of fuel do I want to put in my body? I'll have the market salad, or I'll, I'll have uh, you know, the kale salad with chicken, it's actually quite good, you know, but, uh, See how thinking change comes before behavior change? That's repentance. And so Paul, I mean John, is preaching repentance. Jesus will preach repentance. And it means change the way of thinking so that you can change your behavior. And this repentance is good news. Now, we don't think of repentance as good news. We see the guy holding up the sign at the Royals game, repent, right? And we think, ah! And we associate it with condemnation or with guilt. But repentance means changing your thinking, putting behind baggage and the thinking that's been messing up your life. The thoughts that are making you depressed. The situations, sinful situations that are not doing you any good whatsoever. Repentance really is good news. I was counseling a a young lady, she was in her early 20's and she had been in this relationship with a, a guy for like five years and in the counseling because she was coming for depression but in the counseling she I discovered that you know this guy was hitting her and abusing her so i said there why are you still in this relationship and here's what she said because i'm afraid that if i leave this relationship no one else will ever love me hear the lie Here's the truth. You don't deserve that. That's not a loving relationship. Jesus loves you, and Jesus uh, will lead you into a a better situation and a better life. And so repentance isn't this condemning, negative thing. uh, Repentance leads to life. Repentance also means we exchange our excuses for our disobedience with a resolution to do God's will because we tend to excuse ourselves for our disobedience. So, why do we change our thinking? Because God has spoken. He's spoken to us through His Son. He's the Son of God. What He says is good and right, and beautiful, and true. And living by truth is always better than living the lie. A hundred years ago, doctors treated infectious diseases with arsenic and mercury. Now we know otherwise. Now we know truth. That arsenic and mercury over time build up in your body and will kill you. Believing truth leads to life. So, in response to the message of John to repent, the Judean countryside and the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River. That's a two day walk, that's two days back. They went a long way to hear John preach. And when they got there, they would hear John's message and they would confess their sins. I imagine them hearing the message and then waiting in line to be baptized. And when they went into the water, they would confess their sins out loud. And then John would baptize them. And so uh, there's always a confession that goes with repentance Because uh, confession forces us to name our faulty thinking. To name those areas of slavery. Because nothing ever changes without us first acknowledging that there's an issue. Now, along with that message of repentance, he also preached this message. After me will come one more powerful than I, with thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God on earth would now give you his presence. This too is good news, and we can experience it. One of the ways we experience the presence is by actually coming to worship with our hearts prepared to experience the presence. Because there's lots of ways we can come to worship, but the way we come is to expect the presence of God, to pour out our hearts to Him, to prepare our hearts to receive Him, to prepare our minds to hear Him. And then just as we're doing our normal thing, we can do what is called practicing the presence of God, being mindful, and at all times, that He's with us, that He's in us, and we can converse with Him throughout the day. And as you walk with Him, and follow him, because this will be our intent as we do the Gospel of John, to follow him, we change our thinking accordingly, because that's what a disciple is. They're a learner, they are a follower, and we are followers of Jesus. I figure it's gonna take me a year to preach through the gospel of Mark. I already charted out the whole sermon series, and it's like, hmm, there's about 50 sermons here. But every week, Jesus is going to challenge our thinking. Every week. And perhaps you've heard a gospel taught before. And maybe your thinking was challenged before. And he thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you walk out of the sanctuary, and you forgot what was said. This time through, let's repent along the way, conforming our minds every week to what Jesus has to say to us. Because basically, repentance is following Jesus and listening to him and the way that he wants to take you. A few weeks ago, I had a dinner with a missionary couple who had served in Iran, and they were arrested for preaching the gospel. They were in prison for a while, but now they were out on bail, and they were awaiting their trial date, and they knew that they would be found guilty because they, in fact, were guilty of preaching the gospel. And so the father of the family thought, I need to get my family out of Iran. And he thought, well, maybe what I'll do is just fly, you know, to the United States or something. But, you know, in Iran, you go through immigration before you leave the country and when you come into the country. And so he knew that, well, my, my passport is probably flagged. And he thought, well, you know, I could drive out of the country I mean, Iran has borders with Turkey and Azerbaijan and Pakistan, Afghanistan, Kurdistan, and Iraq. You could just drive to one of the border crossings. But there's immigration officers at the main border crossings. So he thought, hmm, all the ways I thought aren't working. So he hired a guide to smuggle him. His wife out of the country. So the guy took them on back roads, roads he did not know. Sometimes the Jeep or the truck would stop in the middle of a nowhere and he said, Get out, walk along this path and go over the ridge. Someone will be meeting you there. And he'd had to trust the guy to walk over this mountain he didn't know, hoping some friend would meet him on the other side. They moved him in a zigzag way towards the border, staying in safe houses and then leaving when it was safe to leave. And finally, when they got near the border, he's sitting in this safe house for over a week, waiting. And he's thinking, why am I waiting here? Why aren't you taking us across? And then on the night they did go across, he learned that they waited for a night where there was no moon so that they could cross in total darkness. He told me, I was always thinking this way, and the guide was thinking that way. But I decided that the guide knew more than me, and so I would follow his way. That's repentance, changing our thinking. So that it fits and conforms to our guide, Jesus, who is the Son of God. And so let's begin this sermon series with how the gospel begins. Let's begin with repentance. Let us pray. Father, we we admit our thinking isn't necessarily yours. We think like the world has taught us to think. We think after the talking heads on TV or think like whoever writes their article. But Lord, your word is truth. And so in all the ways that we think, Lord, we want to submit our thinking to you. We're also well aware of our persistent sins. And um, we try to change our behavior by trying harder, um, but there's no power there. Lord, we're going to ask for your power and a change of thinking. Speak to us truth. Lord, the people confessed their sins to John. We confess them to you. Hear them, hear our confession. we say more than I'm sorry we say more than ouch we say oh Lord bring me a change that will set me free Lord we're going to take our offering and maybe we have to repent in this area too you speak truth when you say I'll bless your giving I'll take care of you Help the gospel along. And our faulty thinking answers back, oh, I can't. So change our thinking there too, Lord. And um, pour out so much blessing, we won't be able to receive it. Thank you, Lord. Your love and your grace invites us to Repent knowing that all who come to you are welcome to you with open arms, no condemnation, no rebuke. And so we walk and run to you, who is life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.